Hey everyone, I'm Julie Gunlock, host of the Bespoke Parenting Hour, and I have a little cold today, so I apologize for my raspy voice. Uh, For those new to the program, this podcast is focused on how parents should custom tailor their parenting style to fit what's best for their families, themselves, and most importantly, their kids. Today, I'm speaking with Congresswoman Beth Van Dyne. Hey, Beth. Hey, how are you? She represents the 24th Congressional District of Texas. She's also a mom of a son and a daughter. Prior to being elected to Congress, she served as regional administrator for the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development, and she worked with then HUD Secretary Ben Carson. We are big fans of Ben Carson around here. Um, Prior to that, she served as the mayor of Irving, Texas, and was a successful businesswoman. So again, thank you for joining me, Congresswoman. Thank you. It's good to be here. So I always like to start off the podcast by asking my guests sort of a surprise question. Don't worry, it's nothing, um, <laughs> nothing too difficult. Uh, but, you know, this is a podcast about finding your own way and figuring out parenting, not ignoring the experts, but don't not getting too wound up about parenting and finding your way in your own style. So if you were to characterize your parenting style, you know, some people don't have a parenting style. I'm sort of a mishmash of a couple of different styles. What kind of parent are you? Um, I, I think I'm probably more of a relaxed parent. I did not, you know, my, my sister has, has her kids on a, a regimented uh, schedule and it works perfectly for their family. You know, my kids woke up when they wanted to, went to bed when they wanted to. We had, um, really, um, engaging conversations at the dinner table and at the breakfast table. Um, and, and I just loved having them engaged. You know, you had mentioned that I was mayor and, and city council and, and, you know, I ran, I ran, we can get into that later, but I ran when my kids were two and five uh, for city council and I got elected then and making sure that we were always having conversations about what I was doing during the day, issues that were popping up, you know, even at two and five, taking them to events that I had, taking them to ribbon cuttings, taking them to the library and the rec center and, and making sure that they felt like they were part of what I was doing um, was really, was, was really, I think very important. And, and still now my daughter works up in DC. I see her all the time. She's one of my best friends. And I talked to my son, he's over studying abroad right now and, uh, Coventry and studying international business. And I talk to him all the time. I love the relationship that I have with my kids. So I think it was just making sure that they always felt like they were part of what I was doing and engaged. And yeah, uh, just, it's interesting what you said about, you know, we had these in-depth conversations. Yeah. I feel like, people sometimes think so much about what was, what, what, you know, when their kids were babies or they sort of, you know, and that's great. It's great to reminisce and to have memories like that. But my kids are now, I have a preteen and two teenagers. I oh, am- I love you. <laughs> and, they're all- <laughs> and they're all boys. Oh my gosh. Oh. The food puff. Um, but I love the conversations I'm having with them. It is a whole new thing. They're really into you know, they want to hear about American politics. You know, they're taking American history. They're taking civics. Um, they want to have conversations with me and my husband and and kind of figure things out. I love this phase. I really do. And you're right that it does, it changes so much where they don't need you as much. And that can be sometimes hard, but there's a whole nother sort of world to explore. And like you said, yeah. talking to them, how do you keep your kids sort of, how do you protect them from some of the, well, you're, you have older kids now, so you can't 
necessarily, but when they were young, younger, and you were running, politics is ugly. I love this idea that it's a new thing, that it's just newly ugly. It's been ugly for a long, long time. Uh, Politics has always been ugly. How did you protect them from some of the ugliness of politics? Well, again, my kids are two and five when I got into the the, the public, uh, you know, the public sphere, and they they grew up with it, so they knew on um, they they knew what it was all about about from you know pretty much from day one. And I used to say uh, uh, politics in Irving was a blood sport. Um, it was a really you know very divided council. We had some massive debates. We had a lot of international. Um, incidents and, and, and national discussions that happened at that level. I first ran for city council because my daughter was born. She had nine surgeries on her eye the first year that she oh. was born. And she was very sensitive to sunlight. And I'd take her to the park and she'd hold her eye. And, you know, we, we'd take her to the park and I didn't have any shade. So I would go to our, our, parks, um, our parks board and say, can we get more shade in our park? And before I knew it, I was the chairman of the parks department or the parks committee, you know, because you can never have a complaint without actually willing to be part of the right. Volunteered so what to do. Yeah, I became the chairman of our of our parks committee, and and I'll we got that park built. You know, well, she you know, was that's, but, that is interesting because I think, you know, you ran before you ran and won and were serving way before COVID, and I feel like COVID was almost like a national experience, just like you had where, you know, your daughter's covering your eye and you said, we got to fix this. I feel like COVID happened. And suddenly, I I love this phrase, accidental activist, or, you know, they, because a lot of these moms are like, I didn't want to be this angry. I don't want to be this upset um, about things. But I feel like it's sort of like you, where suddenly parents are feeling like they have to stand up. Well, I, think, I think that's it. I mean, you know, I saw a problem that my daughter was, was having to suffer and there was something that you could do about it. You just had to be very determined and push. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it took, it took a lot of time away from, from family, but it was amazing the things that we were able to achieve. And I think because my kids saw what was happening, they felt more um, um, generous with my time yes. being used for that. And yes. we did take on a lot of things at that local level that you wouldn't think a city council would have to, would have to deal with. I'll give you a perfect example is illegal immigration. Mm-hmm. I mean, we found when we opened up one of our elementary schools that the day we opened it up, it was already too, it was already too full. And it wasn't because we had not done our studies, but what we had was we had three, four people living in an apartment. Right. Um, so that the day that the school opened, we were already stuffed. So our schools were being overrun. We saw increases in crime and what we did was we ended up working outside of, I guess, a traditional city council relationship. We ended up working with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. We passed some overwhelmingly successful policies, including you know, when we had people who were stopped, who were doing an illegal activity in our city, if they could not prove that they were legally there, we held them. We contacted Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And at some point in time, we had more um, deportations from our city than any other city per capita. Great. And, you know, we had the national news come in and just just yell at us, call us everything on the book as they're doing now. Um, but what we found in our community was they appreciated it because our, almost immediately our crime rate dropped. 
Yes. And, and and we we experience businesses as opposed to what the, the national media was telling you that businesses wouldn't want to work in your city. We were having overwhelming economic growth because people, guess what, wanted to live in safe communities. Yeah. They wanted to live where their kids could go to, you know, to a healthy school. Yeah. They wanted to live where you could get job opportunities. And my kids grew up with those conversations and engaged with them on it. But we were already on the national stage as a city well before I ever ran for Congress. So, you know, you're, you're asking, how do you protect them? I think it's being fearless, going out there, That's being right. unapologetic, owning your decisions, um, owning your positions and teaching them not to be fearful of sharing your opinions as long as you can defend them with facts. Well, I, I, I live in Alexandria, Virginia. I mean, you're in the D.C. area. You know Alexandria, Virginia, um, right outside of D.C. It is a sanctuary city. It is the schools are completely overrun. The crime is through the roof and crime is seeping into areas that have not areas of the city that have not seen crime before. It is terrifying for a lot of the residents here. And yet we have, um, you know, a, a city government that is unwilling to, to really care or do anything about it. So but they do virtue signal. They do an awful lot of that talking about how all are welcome um, while the taxpayers um, are, are paying basically for all these services to go for people, for people who, who don't in any way pay into the system. It's very, very frustrate, frustrating. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other issues right now facing your district? And tell me just a little bit about your district. You said so my, my district is district 24. So if you've ever flown into the Dallas Fort Worth airport, it's in the middle of the district. It's got areas of Dallas, got where areas of Fort Worth and a bunch of the um, wonderful cities in between. We are facing what the rest of America is facing right now. You know, issues with inflation, issues with what's going on at our border. Um, we, we, we have families that are having a difficult time deciding whether or not they're going to be able to pay for insurance or putting food on their table. Yeah. And while they may be taking home more money compared to two years ago, the fact is if they're bringing home 10% more, they're spending 60% more in some cases at the grocery store. Yeah. So it's definitely not evening out. But what we found in the last um, in the last year is Texas has it right. You know, I've seen Obama. I was uh, Obama. Obama. I was at the uh, sorry. I was at the uh, State of the Union, obviously, a couple of nights ago, and I watched him be this victory lap about the economy. But the fact is that the economy, most parts of the country are dying on the vine. But in Texas. Um, we have had net job growth in the last year um, that is actually, it accounts for 60% of the net job growth in our country. 60% is happening in Texas. And it's from those kind of pro-growth movements, economic growth opportunities that I, as a mayor, have always pushed for. It's having a positive working environment with your business, with your business owners, recognizing that having low taxes and, and low regulatory environment is what they're looking for. And that is a good thing for everybody who lives there because all of a sudden you've got tax dollars that are coming in that are paying for things like your police and your fire and your streets and your schools. Um, and you, the, the people who live there don't have that burden. Yep. So it is a definite partnership that I think, you know, the Biden administration has completely ignored and is fighting back on that. Yeah. But that normal, normal people recognize and they appreciate. But, you know, I think what now we are facing issues with, with fentanyl. Um, I, was gonna, I was just going to ask, I was well, just going to ask you about as that. As a parent, right? Well, that, that is, that is here. It's, it's, it's something I can't, can, I mean, we can control, yeah. we can tell our children. Don't, but this idea of things being laced with fentanyl, you know, it is terrifying. You you take particular interest in this issue. I'm so glad because it's in, it's being ignored by the administration. Tell me what what how you're focusing on this. Well, have those conversations with your kids. Definitely. I mean, 
I, I, I had a call the other day. It was heartbreaking. I had a call from a, a mom who, whose son um, one time um, had tried something. And by the way, it's laced in everything. It's not like you're just yes. buying a fentanyl pill. I mean, this was her, her example was with Adderall. And her son had gotten it to study for a test, was trying to get into college, was trying to do, you know, do to, he, he should have been doing it. She absolutely admitted that. But you have no idea, just one pill, um, what that effect can be. And it's killing. Well, and, and, and you also have to talk to kids about you can be buying something that you think, like you said, like, you know, something to get you through the night. Right. And you could do it once. And it is it's a, it's a, that's over. So I, I do think. Oh. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing that we're seeing that happen at untold amounts. I mean, historic amounts or levels are flying in over our border because we do have an open border at this moment. So what are we doing about it? Texas congregation, the, the Texas congressional um, delegation has gotten together. We've come up with a, a Texas border plan that actually empowers our Customs and Border Patrol agents and, and, and takes seriously that we can't have. Um, a safe nation if we don't secure our border. Um, but it's looking at things like uh, infrastructure. It's looking at getting rid of the catch and release program, having people apply from asylum from the first safe country that they enter into and turning people back who are coming here who want to do us harm. Right. Um, it's making sure that we actually have a secure border. So we are working with the state. We're working with leadership. Um, we're working with our cities to make sure that we're providing them with the resources that they need, even though we're seeing an administration that is just systematically cutting every one of those tools in the toolbox that it was working. And, it's well, and, the, and the morale of the border, the, the morale of the border agents, just how shabbily they have been treated is something that is committed suicide this last year alone. It is, it is absolutely heartbreaking. So it's, it's a relief. And I think it's, you know, this all goes back to, to parenting and that yeah. parents want to know that there is a border, a, a rigorous, a tough border agent, well-funded border uh, department, or I'm sorry, agency that is securing the border and hopefully congressional action and, and more local action, like what you are doing is, is going to help with that. I want to pivot just one last time um, before we, before we end our, our podcast here we talk a lot about work-life balance at IWF and you seem to be a real shining example of someone who's managed that. And I liked, I like to ask this question now because you kind of said, you know, I was sort of, I sort of, I was a relaxed parent. I did what felt natural. That's, that's actually the kind of parent I, I hope, I hope more people are like that. Um, how did you balance it though? The travel back and forth to DC and the district, having little kids. I mean, they've basically grown up with, with this with a, a, a very sort of, you know, um, public mother. Um, so how did you balance that? Well, you know, my kids were younger and I mean, being on city council, you're not traveling as much. Being as mayor, I was traveling a lot more. I was on the board for the U.S. Conference of Mayors. And, and I was traveling and you know, trying to get businesses to come into our city. But again, I tried to in involve them. You know, every every opportunity that I had, um, I would take them with me on um, on weekends. We would go and we'd visit some of the major projects that the city was working on. Um, and even now, um, it's it's a conversation that I have had with my kids. We we talk about politics. We don't shy away from it. Right. But I'm also very careful to allow them to have their own opinion. I think some parents want to say, no, this is what you're going to believe and this is what you're going to think. And I found that it's a lot better to just ask them questions about their opinion, make sure that they know where I stand, ask them questions and have them come to their own realization um, that, you know, some things that they just assumed because they heard from friends were correct. But the more that they hear about it, 
you know, the more that they realize maybe that's not exactly what the right. whole story is. And, I, you know, we've got an awesome youth program, uh, a congressional youth program, a, a youth advisory group. Oh, it's about great. 50 kids and it's our second time doing it. Huh. And, and we have these amazing conversations. Um, I love the debate that is it's a controlled debate where it's not personal. It's all on policy or it's all in the program. And, and what we have done is we'll ask them to come up with a bill or something that they're passionate about. And it's amazing what they come up with, whether or not it's gun control or legalization of marijuana, what's happening at the border, Social Security. These right. kids are smart. Right. Um, but, but ask them to come up with something they're passionate about, put together a bill. And then the next time that we meet, I want them to take the opposite side. I want them to study the opposite Smart. opinion and understand that there's not always one, you know, it's not a black and white issue. And there's not always one solution. Right. So to get to know what the other side is and in having those kind of conversations where you're not pressing down, where they start resisting uh, and feeling that you're their, their, their parents. So you're going to have a different reaction to you, you know, a different opinion just because, you know, they're going to be independent. Yeah. But, but, but really respecting them as, as their own beings. Um, yeah. I love the relationship that I have with my kids. They are both successful, um, hardworking, great worth ethic, um, um, very respectful. And it, I do feel like that that comes from home. But, you know, I obviously didn't do this by myself. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a divorced parent, but my uh, my ex-husband and I have a wonderful relationship. We've always right. put our kids first. My parents live in my neighborhood. Oh, and I've been, in the right. same neighborhood. I've been in the same neighborhood um, had our same house since 97. So again, oh. the kids have grown up there. They have had a very um, um, long lasting relationships within the community. And I think that, that there's something to be said about that. You know? Well, look, I, I hope you'll come back because I do think there needs to be a, a deeper conversation on parenting. We are seeing now parents see more and more and more control over their children to schools. And we also see schools, they like that. They want that. Um, and what you've described to me is a very involved parent and stability for kids, right? You say you've had the same yeah. house, um, a, a network of supporters, including your parents. These things, yeah. you know, if you get a, a few things right, it's kind of the whole shebang, right? Well, you don't have to get the big things. It's the big things. The big you things. can screw up and, you know, have popcorn yeah. for dinner one night. You know, but I, I will end with this. There was a study several years ago done on childhood obesity. And they said that if they were looking for all these magic things, like, oh, only feed them organic food or only, you know, only, you know, they have to get so much exercise a day. No, it was go to bed on, at a rel relatively normal time, limit mm -hmm. screen time and sit down and have dinner three times a week. That was it. And that was the whole, even the, even the studies, uh, the the people in charge of the study were like, it has to be more complicated. It really is just no. getting back to sort of traditional family life. Um, and I really, I would love to talk to you again about that and many other things. I'm really, really happy to have talked to you today and, and got your, gotten your insights on parenting. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate what you're doing. There's a lot of parents who want to know that, you know, what they're doing is the right thing because yeah. they hear so many times from the, from the media that it's not. Right. So I really appreciate what you're doing and, and hello to all those hardworking parents out there. Well, we're big fans, um, women of um, IWF are big fans of yours. So we'll talk soon. That was a great conversation. Uh, look, the Bespoke uh, Parenting Podcast is a production of the Independent Women's Forum. Please help. Please help us by hitting the subscribe button and leaving us a comment or a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Google Play, YouTube, or IWF.org. Hang in there, parents. I'll see you next time on Bespoke. <laughs>